0: This is family live on the air on our Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter channels. And we have for us tonight, Jacqueline Schucknacht, if I got that right. I hope I did it right. <laughs> yeah. From yeah. Sou, um, Lounge. De Sorry. Sou's? yeah. De sous, It means, it
1: means in underneath in French. De
0: <laughs> Oh, that, that's probably a, way, a cool way to say it. <laughs> yeah, um, to sue. so yeah, one of the things we like to do is talk to all types. The Sioux, loungewear. So, um, what our sponsor tonight is um, Newsly. The iOS, iOS app. Uh, just go into the iOS store, and if you use coupon code Ghost, you get one month free premium subscription. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. We're going to be on Newsly uh later tonight so uh welcome to the program how are you tonight
1: thank you i'm doing well thanks
0: yeah it's just it's really cool to... executive and uh you're a designer as well right
1: yes uh, the founder of the company and the designer
0: So w- were you a designer first and then you decided you wanted to create your own company?
1: No, not at all. In fact, I had zero experience in the fashion industry. Um, I I can go through my my long and winding career for you, but um, I've done lots of different things. Um, and I, I've always just loved caftan. So that's the number one thing that my company makes is caftans and tunics and things like that. Um I've worn them since I was much younger. Uh it's it's funny though the more people I meet, the more I realize that people don't know what a caftan is. Which for me, you know, I grew up in the 70s, so it was it was pretty clear to me. So you have to if I'm talking to a guy, I have to say it's a moo
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I'm a child of the 70s. I probably know what is that. I, I don't yeah, probably know
1: exactly the
0: other name for it. Yeah, I would pay guys, but probably be we'd be like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know? Moomoo's is kind of tied in, it's kind of unattractive, it but uh, yeah, but it's yeah, let's yeah, call I'm it elevated. The right
0: Moomoo's. word today,
1: yeah, yeah, maybe have that's done. not the
0: right word today, yeah, yeah, like exactly. you probably want to reframe it. So, you as a designer and you're running a company, you won't, you don't <laughs> want that. Legacy. Oh, exactly.
1: <laughs> moo moo, exactly. Or I'll say, um, you know, like Mrs. Roper. But, uh, <laughs> I'm on Three's company.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always I've always loved That's a good way towns. to remember it.
1: Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that. Everyone our age at least. Um and yeah. I, oh, I I would, would joke with my friends all the time that I was going to start a calf town company. Um And we would say, you know, (laughs) I would say, I'm going to call the company Never You Mind. So it's going to be like, never you mind what's under here (laughs) as we get older. Mm -hmm. Um, But I named it Desue, which means underneath. So, um, you know, COVID hit and I've been a stay at home mom doing different projects for a long time. uh, And I just decided that that was. It was now or never to start the company. Um, and so here we are, like nine months later.
0: So there actually was COVID the inspiration to actually do it, to do to do your own company or you were already thinking in that way? Before I was I
1: already thinking about it, but you know, it was always in in my mind, it was always like a small Etsy store or something, you know, really simple. But, um, you know, as it went on, I, I just, it became a real company. Um, I have my, my um, caftans are manufactured in LA right now. I have some, I'm working with a company in uh, India also, who's going to be, they're Mm -hmm. going to be making some for me. Um, But our, my focus is on sustainable fabrics, sustainability. Um, I make sure that the factories I'm working for are, yeah. you know, ethical and responsible and the whole thing. So that kind of gives me some parameters. No, the, the whole... Yeah. that. Yeah, um... that,
0: That's an important pitch for like the today's, today's market.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't want to, you know, I'm obviously aware of what's going on in the environment and I didn't want to do anything that was going to add to that. And, you know, I mean, nothing, no, new product is 100% sustainable because you're creating something and you're using energy to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, I try to be as sustainable as possible, even in my packaging and everything.
0: Well, I think that's very important because I have a 23-year-old daughter and she's Mm -hmm. one of these like, you know, her generation is very keen on, I don't want to buy that unless I know they're carbon neutral. I love that. They're, they're, not, they're not doing labor and they're not doing this. Yeah. So my, yeah, my daughter funny. is always telling like me and my wife, like, you shouldn't buy that. You shouldn't buy this. You shouldn't buy that.
1: Yeah. So it's the, like, it's, oh, the kids know, are so. way more knowledgeable. I know. It's funny. Although I will go with my kids to like target and they'll want something and I'll be like, mm, I don't know, you know, Cambodian babies made that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But my daughter is like she's like college age, so she's gotten on the bandwagon. Like she's like real
1: active. Good, good. That's I mean it's <laughs> we're leaving them a damaged but, earth. But so I think it's, it's, what's up?
0: Yeah, she's very, very in. Yeah, she well, she's very into um, you know brands like yourself. She would be probably very interested into it because like that's her focus. But she's an artist right. herself, and so oh, cool. she's really. Into like, you know, the typical kind of artist mindset that seems to be like involved with, uh, you know, society and things like that. But so so when, when why did you focus on the captains? Like, what was that? that what, what, is there a particular reason why you did?
1: Well, it, it's I've always loved them. I think they're they're super comfortable and they also look chic and sexy. And it's just one of those things where. You know, you can wear a sweat pant outfit, but you're just not going to look. You're not going to be like floating through the room in your caftan. So that was that was one of the things. And I've just always loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to find a company that did mm-hmm. sustainable caftans. And there are a couple of them, but they're, you know, their price point is crazy. It's six hundred dollars and up. So that was my focus was trying to. Oh, wow. Create sustainable caftans and keep the price point where it's accessible to more people.
0: And, and also, it's like okay, I can get a niche. I can get I can take that market and I can right. have that angle. Is that like what's yeah. important when you do a business to kind of figure out like what's your market and what's going to be absolutely your, pitch to your client base.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we you, you know to, one of the first things you do is uh who's my ideal client and you know who's my ideal customer um and what is my niche, right? So for me um my niche yeah, is women might. You, yeah, it's you know it's Did
0: you do a lot um, of research to figure that out?
1: I did. I did. I knew nothing. You know, I worked in retail when I was in high school but I really knew nothing about how clothing was made and so I had to just start by reading and going online and you know I just kind of dug around as best I could I had a couple books and that's really how I learned the basics um then I joined Mm -hmm. a a sustainable fashion um incubator accelerator called uh, Factory 45 that was super helpful. Um, You know, being an entrepreneur is lonely. (laughs) And especially, I needed
0: people who
1: kind of understood the business more. Yeah, and I wanted colleagues um, that I could bounce ideas off of. So it it was a great program, and it was like a six-month program. So if anyone wants to start a sustainable fashion brand called Factory 45. was super helpful. I, ha- I was assigned to a mentor and we went through the whole, you know, the whole process up until launch, um, taught a lot about manufacturing and fabrics and marketing and you name it. Um, so that was really great. I joined it kind of a little bit late in the game. So I had to do a lot of research before that.
0: So how did um, you find that, that, that group of people to help you like you know, in music we have collectives right yeah, So a lot right. of musicians will go find like-minded they're in the same genre and then we kind of go all go on tour together because if 10 bands oh, show sure. up at the gig yeah right you have a better shot of you know the club yeah or to control the venue and so that you can guarantee that all your people are going to be heard it's like so it's kind of similar in my mind but
1: yeah, definitely, and and that's one thing about fact the Factory Forty Five program is I'm connected to mm-hmm. alumni who went through the program ages ago and have you know have their companies up and running and are doing really really well, um, and I'm uh, connected with people like me who have just launched or are about to launch, um, so it's kind of nice. It's it's I have more. It's I have colleagues. Really. And that's, that's kind of what I, I miss so mentors, the most. Like just, mentors. Yeah, definitely. Is that like
0: a mentor, mentor, like a, uh, like student relationship where you're, 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 new and you got the people that right. have been doing it. And, and then you get there, they put you under their wing and you kind of are in this kind of. exactly. Like, you know, it, it, yeah. It just seems like an internship, but it's not exactly because you actually have a business and right. you're not an intern, you're your own business off of the kind of roadmap they're, they're providing you like roadmaps right
1: exactly yeah and i mean their program is absolutely wonderful there's like yeah, different it's- parts of the program and it's like it lays it all out and you have like you know projects to do before you launch and it's been great and then you launch and it's like okay here we go <laughs>
0: I wondered, like, in terms of your business, how do you actually get your manufacturing determined? Like, how do you determine who's going to make your product? Is that it's is that a easy. lot of work to figure out? Like, who's going to make the right quality and who's going to do is. it? Like, give you the and and product that you want at the quality right. you want at the price you want.
1: It's not easy. Um, it's a lot of. I mean, the first manufacturer I went with that made my samples. I just Googled, you know, and they they were here in Atlanta where I am. Um, and then I met. I think I met some others. I had another manufacturer in LA that I I can't remember how I connected with them. Um, probably Googling, and they did sustainable projects, sustainable fashion. And then shortly after that, they decided they weren't going to do manufacturing anymore. They were just going to do consulting. Um, but they turned me on to, to my oh, little stupid. factory in, in LA. Yeah. it's It's been a long and winding road. I'll tell you that. They've been great. You know, it's, it's they interesting. The they're more, and an more Yeah. More and more small manufacturers that are doing sustainable work. It's really hard to find though. Um, you know, sustainable fabric is, very expensive and it's more expensive for smaller companies because you're not buying in huge bulk you know so that's a little yeah, tricky that bulk
0: it, is the big thing right that's right
1: you... right yeah a factory will have moqs yeah, i which guess the is,
0: nylons
1: mm-hmm. yeah now i'm working with uh the company in India, I was looking for a company that did organic cotton, like Indian block prints. Um, and I had a really hard time oh, okay. finding somebody who did that in organic cotton, but I did, I found this wonderful, um, Masala Threads is a company I'm working with in India and they're absolutely great. Um, and They do all kinds of sustainable fabrics. So they're working on some stuff for me right now. It's exciting.
0: Well, I think the big pitch is like, you know, every every industry is trying to prove that they can do more sustainability. uh, You
1: know, even from
0: record industry, like when we do the packaging, they go to paper instead of plastic.
1: Mm -hmm. When you have a
0: CD, if you're going to do that, if you're doing, if you have vinyl, you don't wrap it in plastic. You you wrap it in paper. Yeah, A lot of like kids today, they're more mindful of that. They're like, you know, back in my day, back in the eighties. Oh, I don't care about that. But like now with the kids today, yeah. like if they see the plastic on there, they're like, I'm not buying it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, and I'm like, it comes down to like packaging. I had to find sustainable stickers. Cause sometimes you have like a sticker that's not, that can't be, you know, gone, you can't throw mm-hmm. it in the, the compost or wherever you're going to put your packaging um, yeah. it, tags, you name it, everything. It's yeah, a project it's to look, to make sure that you're getting the right, yeah, the right items. Um, but it's, it's been great. You know, it, It's uh, I did get some help through Factory 45. They have, you know, they have uh, um, you know, databases of companies they work, they've worked with. And other than that, it was just me kind of digging around and calling companies and seeing what they did.
0: So, how did you get your distribution? Is that all through your website or did you partner with
1: merchants? It's it's still, I'm doing direct to consumer. So, I have my website. Um, So, and because I'm brand new, I'm just doing my own fulfillment right now. As we grow, I'll probably use a fulfillment center. Um, But for now, it's, you know, it's little on me.
0: Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to have a have a big warehouse full of stock. You're not doing that kind of thing with the big distribution right. network, like like yep. the big Amazons that are you into right. That. And yeah, the
1: the way I've been doing my my sales model is a pre order model, which means that. The, the garments aren't made until you order them. So there, if there's a buyer for each piece I make, oh, so I'm okay. not doing a ton of inventory, uh, it's the best way of going about it. It's not easy because you know dealing with a manufacturer who's doing kind of like one-offs and small lots uh, makes it tough, but it's a great way to be able to do something more sustainable for a small company.
0: Yeah, so this that like, kind of on demand, you know, t- right. type of type of model, right? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean luckily like I mean music today, I mean everything's digital right? right. So but so we do get into manufacturing of like vinyl. Vinyl right. is like the new gold for musicians. So it works Yeah, we're going back to vinyl. vinyl. I it just
1: ordered a, a an album. <laughs> yeah it's funny I uh my, yeah my daughters are way into vinyl now well, it's
0: not something you throw away you, you,
1: right oh they've got all my well, old for the records musician,
0: it's a big thing
1: yeah <laughs> yeah definitely I know the the well, whole yeah
0: music and when we're yeah I mean artist compensation if I sell a $25 vinyl record yeah I get more of that money than a 0.06 for a stream
1: right so yeah it that, just, it makes that's more whole
0: thing. you actually can can have a, a smaller yeah. base like you can you could have like under a hundred thousand fans and sell a hundred thousand vinyls where the record company would say you got to sell a million downloads or a million right. streams yeah and you'll make that's why i think it's great that kids are into it 000, right
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: It, it's just uh, more, it's a, it's a, cool, it,
1: yeah.
0: but so I think yeah, you mentioned that one thing you were working on um, was actually working on a documentary. There's something else that you were doing uh, besides yes. your, your, your business.
1: Yes. I've got, I've done a lot of different things. Um, I started with an art undergrad Then I went to law school and I practiced entertainment law in L.A. for a while and hated it. And then from there, I started doing TV, TV, film and video uh, producing. So production. So, you know, as I was home with my kids, most of the last gosh, 15 years, um, I'll still pick up a production job here and there. Um, so, yes, I've been working on a documentary for the last seven years. <laughs> and it's about a, uh, an Athens, Georgia band called Five Eight. And they're kind of that band that, like, the best band you've never heard of kind of thing. Um, so uh, yeah. I'm working with a director, Mark Pilvinsky. And yeah, so it's been really, really, we have a cut. It was great. COVID hit. We thought we could make it better. <laughs> So we're still working on it, but it's been, it's been really fun. And it's kind of tied me in to the Athens music scene. And I'm originally from Chicago, so I didn't really know much of anything. It's been great. Well, yeah. R.E.M.
0: broke broke from that scene back, back in the day, like R.E.M. Michael Snipe, I was a, you know, I'm a child of the seventies and I got into like college radio because of like the from from REM and the yeah. Athens scene, I really got into and I was really interested in their take on Southern mythology when they did like Fables mm-hmm. of the Reconstruction. They just had a different feel. They kind of had, they sounded like the birds, but not yep. like the birds.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And then a style where it was like very, very sound painting. Like you didn't know exactly what he was saying and it was a lot of mystery. <laughs> and then he went, to no Warner one knew Brothers. what Michael's type was saying. Yeah, then he went to Warner Brothers and they controlled his diction and they made it so you could hear what he was saying. But when he was on IRS, you you didn't know what he was saying. But I actually like those IRS records better.
1: That's (laughs) Oh, yeah, the old school ones. Well, it's funny that you mentioned REM because I just finished um, working on a music video for a new band called The Bad Ends. Um, And they are... It's the lead singer from the band 5-8 that I'm doing the documentary about. And they ha- the drummer in their band is Bill Berry from R.E.M. Um, and this is the first oh, wow. project. It's Bill built. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. exciting. So yeah, Bill, I, I don't know if you remember. Well, but it's Bill, awesome. yeah. yeah, it's so great. Uh, yeah. Bill had a,
0: I know what happened. an
1: aneurysm or something and had to quit what the band they- ages ago. And so this is his first project. He hasn't been in a band. Yeah, since. during the Monster Tour. Yep. Right.
0: Yeah, during the Monster Tour where they were really big. I mean, they just got on Warner Brothers. They'd had Losing mm-hmm. My Religion, the previous album, a couple other yeah. albums, and then they went and did Monster, which was like this big thing. And then they toured. And as they toured, like Stipe had a surgery thing where you had to get surgery. Yep. And then like everybody got sick.
1: Right. Everybody and yeah, the got band sick.
0: got sick during that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, and then you know, Bill ended up saying, well, I'm done, you know, he's <laughs> you right. Know, but
1: Yeah. He was, he was farming. He was a farmer for a very long time. He has a beautiful house outside yeah. of Athens. Um, and we act- I actually went there to interview him for the five, eight documentary, which the title is weirdo. Um, oh, yeah. Weirdo. Yeah. So it was great. <laughs> I got to meet Bill then. And then, you know, everyone in Athens kinds of kind of knows each other. Um, but Mike Mantioni, who is the lead singer of 5.8, just connected with Bill on the street one day and said, hey, you want to jam with this new band I've got together? And it was really going to be a Mike solo album, but everyone kind of came on and, and um, they got really mm-hmm. excited and made new music and they've got an album coming out in January.
0: Well, that's fantastic because I loved his drumming. You know, I, I yeah. thought... Well, as a whole unit of REM is just a fantastic band, but his drumming mm-hmm. was really great because stage are like a post punk band, right? They, yeah. they had like bands like Joy Division and yeah that right. were punk, but and then came became New Wave. But REM wasn't New Wave.
1: No, they, they they
0: weren't really punk. And sometimes they could go there, right? But they tended to be in this kind of really alternative indie zone. Yeah, kind of call Indie. College. Of yeah, yeah, it was like that
1: and them,
0: the replacements. <laughs> yeah, a replacement. I love I love Paul Westerberg and the replacements. I was, I mean, I me grew too. up listening to like Let It Be and Tim and uh Please to mm-hmm. Meet Me. And another band I was really into on SST was Hoosh Kadoo, Bob Mold and Grand Hart. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard So of Bob them.
1: He <laughs> Bob Mold <laughs> is wonderful. His uh Dave Barbie. It had played with Bob Mould and Sugar, and he is—he was working on the album for these guys too. So everyone's oh, kind of tied awesome. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's
0: Do, Replacements, REM. Those a when I was a kid. You know, I actually ended up being like a, do college radio at my college, Bowdoin uh, mm-hmm. College, when I was then the '80s, like '86 yeah. to '90, and I was playing Who's Could Do and Replacements and REM. And, and people would be like, "Why are you playing that?" I said, "Because that's that's what's happening. That's 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 what right. I think is, and it was because all those guys were getting signed by by owners or bigger companies because they saw it. They saw it, that that music was really the cutting edge of where where things were going. You know? and it was the college radio people that we saw it. We we you know, kids like me when we were like these bands are cool. Maybe you don't think they're cool, but they're cool."
1: yeah oh yeah i remember you know going i would go to tons of shows in chicago in when i was in college and it would be like um you know little punk bands like naked ray gun and you know just pretty much everyone that came through um so i did a lot of that but yeah we um i got to really interview a bunch of people you know i'm producing so my partner's doing most of the interviews but uh you know some we got to interview bill we got to interview um dave barbie and a b- bunch yes, of well. musicians yeah from a bunch of well-known musicians in athens which is great
0: so when do you think the target released for this and where where is it going to go is it going to go directly to like all these different channels that exist at work
1: yeah for the um the album Yeah, the album. I guess the documentary
0: and and I mean. Okay,
1: the well, uh, the music video was just released a couple days ago that I worked on, which is um, they've got the I think it's New West Records is maybe the label I forget, Mm -hmm. but if you look up um, the Bad Ends band, Mm -hmm. you'll come up with two different videos, Um, and so we just finished the. my video is the one where it's the, it, the guys are in a restaurant. So that will tell you exactly which one. Um, but that's
0: your video, OK. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it was really exciting because it just um, premiered on All Songs Consider and on NPR. Um, so they premiered the song and then they had the uh, music video oh. on their website, which is pretty cool. Oop, well, I'm there always
0: into like trying to find, yeah, trying to find like the next big good, cool. And, you know, I, I'm a very big promoter of emerging and independent artists. I mean, that's my primary thing I do on my podcast. Oh, I've that's been doing great. since 2016 is I, I, try to break, I try to break, you know, have, most of the people mm-hmm. that come on my show are independent and emerging artists in the world. That's awesome. As a as as a music musician myself, Mm -hmm. but I also want to give them attention because at the top twenty, everybody gets attention in the top twenty. I want to take take the bottom five hundred and actually take what's really to me going on is in the underground. Mm -hmm. Artists are coming back. Artists they're trying something new. Like they they maybe they've been there, but they're trying something new and they're coming back. I've I've been a big fan of. I mean, I grew up you know always rooting for like the underdog me i would listen to velvet underground i would listen oh, to I like love big velvet star. underground i yeah oh was, yeah i would listen to like big bands star is that were like unsung yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's funny yeah. because um mike in the he, there's a song when he references big star in um in the uh first music video so it's kind of funny
0: oh you do that's cool yeah. Boy, a bunch of bands did that like Replacements did it in the song Alex Chilton. The Counting mm-hmm. Crows. Right, right. Yeah. To, there's a lot of bands that, like, like to me, the Big Star was as influential as the Velvets. Like, if you check, Big Star yeah. influenced a lot of alternative grunge bands, like indie bands were all being influenced
1: mm-hmm.
0: by Big Star. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. In the same way that, that bands were influenced by Lou Reed and the Velvets, Big Star was yeah. this kind of unknown band. That really defined a lot of nine A lot, a totally. lot of nineties bands would name check Alex Schrotten and Chris Bell all the time. Right. You know, and yeah. I, I caught it. McPaul was totally enamored. You know, if you listen to Replacements, they are yeah. channeling a lot of big stars. That's yeah. kind of what Paul was into. And I, th- I just, I went back and listened to it. I'm like, this stuff is fantastic. You know, I was like,
1: yeah, it I'm it aged well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It's funny because I listen to that kind of stuff, and I'm like, it still sounds fresh to me. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't sound dated, which is so great.
0: Well, most people probably know, know them from that '70s show where Cheap Trick actually covered, like, in the street. You know, yes. and they think it's a Cheap Trick song, and yes. it's actually a big star song. Big
1: star. That's so funny. <laughs> that they, uh,
0: yeah. It, yeah, but I mean, Big Star, I mean, like, cheap Trick is kind of in the same zone as, mm-hmm. as Big Star. They they actually took that kind of sound and were successful, where Big Star, on stack, they couldn't get right. it. Through. Right.
1: But it's interesting. because the Big, the big Star. Like
0: they they could have been.
1: Exactly. They could have been huge. And that's kind of the deal with this five eight band that i'm working on the documentary for it was like they were the next big thing um and everyone was really excited Mm. about it and through a number of for a number of different reasons it just never quite made it but when people who talk about seeing them live are like i mean i'll bump into people and they'll be like five eight of course yeah um but you know it's it's, dealing with
0: the next big star building underground
1: yeah yeah and then you know it's it's little things like an album got got pushed back, and the label kind of interfered in things, and you know back then it was like it was a it was a group project <laughs> with the label, um and sometimes mm-hmm. that didn't go well for bands,
0: yeah, yeah well, there was a whole kind of problem with you know once Napster came in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then a lot of bands that were independent anymore, because the record labels started having big trouble with right. monetization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the like the the bands that they used to support, they suddenly wouldn't support. Like all these bands that were like SST, you know, our, you know IRS records, they stopped yeah. being able to, to to fund these independent bands. And, and right. that to me was a big shame, because like that's where I feel. Even today, that's where all the energy is. That's where I always go to SoundCloud. I go to the underground bands. I go on the YouTube. I go on TikTok, trying to find. Go on Instagram. Instagram is like my primary source. I okay. find hundreds yeah. of independent, emerging bands on Instagram, and you know if you if you actually troll it looking, there's a lot of really uh-huh. good acts that aren't getting the attention
1: at oh, all. Sure. And I,
0: that's what I where I mostly get most of the bands I talk to. I find oh, them good. there that people you know and I find oh. them from all over the world from Berlin and Iceland, Latvia, Australia. Cool. You know, I, and that's who I bring on the show. And I it's love that. Interesting. It's very similar.
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, interest in it. it's interesting that in the documentary, the a drummer from Five Eight, Patrick Ferguson, says that. You know, in some ways right now is the best time in music because you can go you can go on, you know, Instagram or whatever, and you can put your music out there. And if it's good, it catches on, you know, and it's like anyone can get on there. It's not like you have to get a label, you have to get signed, the whole thing. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of yeah, great the because
0: aren't there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's I mean, really it's, interesting.
0: how yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a big shift. Like the, the big problem that a lot of bands, like when I was coming up as a kid, and I'm making like my mm-hmm. 55 now, right? When I tried to, you know, get into the industry, like the gatekeepers wouldn't let get through. Like we couldn't get through. It's like okay, fine, right? So I just kept on going, and and eventually yeah. I got to the world where I'm on SoundCloud. Then I start podcasting. Mm-hmm. And, then I started getting opportunities. So now I, my stuff is out there and I don't have, I have a niche audience. Maybe I hit 100,000 worldwide. Yeah, you it. do
1: electronica?
0: Uh... I end up being able to produce. I, no, I do what good. you call it, like I call expansive sound. It, expansive expansive sound. sound, I
1: like that.
0: There's a combination of multiple genres.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, it's a combination like progressive rock, funk, punk aesthetic. That's all good. Things like that.
1: Very cool. So, so,
0: yeah. So I mean, like the people I'm, I'm into, like yes, funkadelic, mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, you know, um, punk aesthetic, like the Clash, Joy Division. Yeah. To do, we put a lot of you know, and then made a band like Sunra. So yep. I basically oh, Ra, yeah. can go anywhere. So,
1: That's awesome. So I like. You I know, I'm that.
0: a musician. I'm a I'm a keyboardist. So I'm a, oh, okay, I, yeah. My idea is to have. All these Mogs and Rollins, like the Vic Wakemans of the world, and in the yeses, that's what the kind of place I'm coming from. So I love that, and you can be a one man band, band
1: too. Yeah, yeah I basically do that.
0: Sometimes I'm, I merge with other I guys. Know. I have guitar players. I have drummers come in. I can link up with other bands. I've been able to link up with like a Japanese producer, a video cool. game developer that I'm working with in South Africa. So In the indie world, you can do stuff that you wouldn't think you would be able to do, right? You know, so
1: yeah,
0: you end up getting getting work just because there's a bunch of people that are looking for different things.
1: Yeah, and, exactly. And if you
0: get yourself out there, suddenly I like I'm working with like all kinds of people, but because people mm-hmm. like they dig somebody called them, they play Moog based on this record, or
1: oh, help me cool. produce
0: this record, do a video yeah. game soundtrack. And then you're out, you're not in the normal structure of what the record companies try to control.
1: Exactly. I'm still able to get work. Mm-hmm. I'm not
0: able to do what they want. wanted. They wanted to put me in this kind of pu- puppet thing and control me. I'm like, no, yeah. I get to do what I want.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like good and bad the way music has changed. I and mean, We talked about the financial aspect of it and the artists just aren't getting paid like they were. And on the other side, hand, it's like just uh, artistically freeing to not have, you know, so many hands in, this, in the pot.
0: Yeah, and then so you can been... find other things. You, you can get into sync licensing. You can get into mm-hmm. online performances. You can play festivals. You can yeah. do your merch, right? So then, like I said, with the vinyl discussion, right? All the kids are yeah. in the vinyl. You can live off the of vinyl. You know, you, right. could, you could live with somebody want <laughs> a reel to reel There was the yeah, there's a the company in Russia that's making reels, actual oh, real wow. releases. You get them in a box wow. and it's a reel. Old the school. And they're yeah, and they're custom like buyers that will buy it because it's it's kind of like vinyl where it has real that has that analog sound. Right. And it, it's a package it has art and it's unique. Yeah. Right. So then it's more collect so you get that different type of buyer. You get the buyer's looking for a collectible. And then you can get into that niche market and you can show up at conventions and you can do things. And yeah, you just find a different way to present yourself. And you don't have to sell millions. And you don't have to be in the top ten where you can still be functioning.
1: Yeah. actually, and that's how I'm approaching my new company is like (laughs) I, I don't mind being a small company. You know, I'm in my, I'm 53 now, so I'm not like building an empire, but uh, yeah. I mean, you find your niche niche and um, do your best there, which has been great. Um, I was going to say. Just don't go
0: beyond your means. Like, yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, So one of the, one of the reasons I started my Desu was. You know, I'm still, I'm 53, I'm still wearing like Vans and, you know, concert t-shirts and things like jeans. And, you know, you get to a point where it's like, well, how? where does that go when I I get a little bit older? It's like, I'm not gonna wear house coats and, you know, stretchy polyester pants like my grandma did. Um, So it's like, where did the Gen Gen Xers go, (laughs) you know? So it's kind of interesting. That,
0: uh, well, they, you know, yeah, to, everybody, all the kids I know, they just walk around, they walk around with their pajamas, even when they go out.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that dropping my kids that's, off at school.
0: That, they, yeah, like, it's, I'm looking at it as a dad. I'm like, you're wearing your pajamas to school.
1: <laughs> everyone is. I know. I know. It's pretty that's amazing. A, yeah, that, I, it's funny. Yeah, I have two girls world. and they're completely opposite. One of them dresses like head. Pretty much every color possible, head to toe, and then the other ones just kind of, you know. I tell her she dresses like a park ranger. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, got both a lot sides. of people they
0: just don't care. Yeah, you yeah, don't you right. don't care. Like my like my my daughter's an artist, so she likes to get like retro clothes. Yeah, from multiple eras, so it looked like 20 great. flapper stuff. And Then to look that's for '40s stuff and show in the '50s. I should not just pick different different time periods and kind of just. And I think it's like yeah. everything's open. It's that's like with music. It's like everything's kind of open. Like if you want to do a flapper era type song, you could do it. Yeah. Right. Right. If you want to do, I mean, music. You can go channel channel the carpenters and actually bring it back, and you will get Love a niche. The because people yeah. like it, and so totally. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's a band called Yeah Tennis out of Colorado that kind of channels a carpenter vibe. The carpenters? And, uh, oh, they're really cool. Dumb.
1: That's awesome. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that the, the, the kids are see- husband and did- wife.
1: Oh, cool. It yeah. sounds familiar. I'll have to look them up. Um, but I was going to say, I love that the kids are getting really into like um, vintage clothing and resale and all that good stuff. You know, we always went to the thrift store, um, mm, but they're not as good as they were.
0: Yeah. I mean, I grew up <laughs> I'll be, well, kids from Salvation Army.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's funny. I'm like, it's they're not the way mm-hmm. they used to be. Thrift stores used to be really good. <laughs> but, you know, you've got a bunch of different well, resale. Up, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah, so that I,
0: part of the vibe.
1: Yeah, well that's just you know it's when I talk to younger people about sustainable fashion it's it can be very off putting because sustainable fashion is pretty expensive. Um mm-hmm. but then there're lots of other things yeah. that you can do. You can, you know, resell, you can do a a clothing swap. I went to a clothing swap just the other night. That was really great. Um you can reuse your clothes. You can mend them. You can, you know what I mean? You can take them to the mm-hmm. tailor. So I think a lot of people think, you know, sustainable fashion is just new stuff that's made of sustainable fabrics and is pretty expensive. Um, but there's lots of different ways that, that, you know, younger kids and adults for that matter can, can be matter. sustainable. Yeah. I spend a lot of time on pot, Poshmark yeah, yeah. is Go a great website. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's really yeah, there's lots of ways that, to be. Continued. Yeah. Yeah. The kids are always on deep. Pop, like that's what Yeah. Well, wow. it's kind of like our thrift store, but you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like Yeah, yeah. It's
1: online. Everything's online.
0: <laughs> Everything's online. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the whole world today. You know, we're 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 doing online festivals. Like I just got into an online oh, cool. festival thing, where huh. um, I'm playing on Friday on like Sessions Live. But yeah, they 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 actually are coming after artists to get on these online festivals.
1: Cool. And so I, is they,
0: it just a stream? I, yeah, it's a live stream only. This Sessions Live is a company that only does online. They're like cool. a ticket master, but they just do online events, and then they go looking look on the net for mm-hmm. artists there online i've been doing online performances since 2016 so i, wow. I i've been doing it for a while
1: so it's they actually school. came
0: to me and they had, they had a conference call with me and they said hey we want you to come on our platform because we know you do this and yeah. we can put you on stages and you can do like 15 minutes here and 20 minutes there i said okay i'll do it and because i like it i just like to play like any musician if i get a gig what? and i get to do nope. it i'm gonna go do it because i like I just like to play.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, right. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah that's, it's a, that's, it, that's, that's, that's how that's it's cool. the guys in five eight, um, in one part of the documentary that uh Dan Horowitz is like, I I don't mind touring. Like people hate touring and uh you know, they miss their families and the whole thing. But I just like any time I can play is a good day for me, which I thought yeah. was you know, it's well, pretty great if you're playing every night.
0: Well, I think the nature of a, of a, of a working musician is that right. they they want to get that gig. They either want to be a session musician and get those gigs doing right. the session work, or they want to be a touring musician. And really, it's a lifestyle. Yeah,
1: absolutely. About like the
0: Grateful Dead, getting mm-hmm. a like a Pearl Jam, in a business. I mean, they right. operate in a kind of Grateful Dead way. I mean, Pearl Jam heads will follow Pearl Jam anywhere. They will go see them three times in a row, night after night. They have that kind of dedication uh, where certain bands, they're like, that's how they live. You know, And really as an artist, because the way the record industry is, touring is the way that you actually are sustainable as a musician. Yeah. That's the only way you really get the money.
1: Definitely. Um, Which
0: is kind of, it's sad. You got to be on the train, on the plane and on the bus. But that's the way of our industry, they don't value the art itself. You get very mm-hmm. little pay for the individual piece of art. Exactly. they to try to monetize it in other ways.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I haven't been to too many like huge stadium shows in my life, Most, more like small indie kind of stuff, kind of things, but it's mind blowing how many people go to like a stadium show where it's huge actually went and yeah, saw Lizzo not the other last week yeah. or a week before with my husband. And it's interesting. I, I actually saw her at um, South by Southwest like five mm. years ago, five or six years ago, and just kind of stumbled upon her. And, you know, she and the big girls were still just wearing like plain old leotards. And now they're like yeah. doing all these costume changes yeah. and everything. So it's been crazy to they see that. Big. Yeah, huge. I know. Big. Yeah, it was a fun well, whole,
0: show. Yeah, the thing, yeah, that's the difference is like the festival scene really helps a lot of independent bands and it, mm-hmm. when they can be active. When you see these really big, like the lollapaloozas and the big uh European festivals, because mm-hmm. they go for multiple days, multiple stages, and a lot of indie bands, you know, you can get a really good gig, yeah, like, oh, yeah, like if
1: definitely you don't want
0: stages, you get a big payday you get a payday that you wouldn't get. It would take you years to get off of Spotify. You know, you won't you right. get it. So, so it just, that was the band to get on the road, you know, because you find out yeah, like, oh, totally. well, if I go to London and I show, to show up the UK and I get on this festival and then I go to Berlin and then I go over to, to Korea and I go to Japan, you yeah. can make money. You can actually right. make, 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 you're actually able to be that artist, but you have to be on the road.
1: <laughs> so, do you do a lot of festivals, that's, that's or just the mostly online? It. Yeah, it gets old. So, do I have you do been an online festivals? artist because yeah, online I'm just festivals. starting
0: to do them now. I, 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 yeah, I have I had sponsored my own series that, mm-hmm. that I was doing based off gas yes, on the on the podcast. So, I had this thing okay. called the Peg Bedroom Producer Festival. And so what the qualification was is if you get interviewed by the ghost, then you get to be on this three-day festival. We did two of them, one in 2021 oh, cool. and one in uh, 2020. And we're going to do a third one. And we're getting sponsors oh, like Newsly and all of these other pe- people mm-hmm. starting to come in. But, you know, it's for emerging and independent artists. Everybody gets a 30-minute set. But now I'm starting to guest on other people's shows, other people's oh, cool. things. I'm starting to do that for me as an independent. But I still do my own thing with my podcast yeah mm-hmm. as my kind of thing that people are kind of doing a barter economy if i interview you then you do my sure. show for free right yeah so that's how yeah. we kind of do things we do it like that and then we did a whole show i had like 30 bands and everybody did that's it amazing i interviewed them for their work. Right. So they, they, they did me a favor and they did a show for without any money and so but that's i that's love how, that you how, get to meet so many people yeah over.
1: that's super cool yeah
0: yeah um uh, when that's oh. the vibe I make a hippie vibe. <laughs> yeah, <I know.
1: laughs> uh, that sounds like fun, though. It's like you know. I love that you get to like meet all these these artists and then bring them together for a festival. That's awesome. You're working hard.
0: Well, there's opportunities, yeah, to to do stuff because then, they, like, I could you know engage like your audience, you know, like mm-hmm. if we do doing this festival, and maybe I could, I could like point out or um clothes from your brand, you know, and mm-hmm. then push right. it out there. And then that that just yeah. gives people opportunities. So as I meet people, then I start to pitch like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to get them on board? Wouldn't it be cool to get yes. this company on you know, we're a couple of companies to give like gear? Like, oh right. Get, yeah, it's get very them cool, or get a mic to give everybody like a, a preamp. Yeah. So you End up being able to barter ideas and say, "Hey, I'll give your company all this ad time so you can talk about your gear." And these are all musicians, so they want to know yeah. about mics. They want, you know, mixers. So oh, it's yeah. an opportunity. Like I'm doing a three day thing now, then clothing like music fans
1: because mm-hmm. they're into
0: fashion. Then you, they, that's an opportunity to pitch that. So it's, you can bring all these different sure. people in. Different areas, you know, people who are selling supplements is like, oh, these people are new age. Maybe they want a supplement, so you get all kinds of people (laughs) to get together on on the same. Then it starts to work,
1: (laughs) right? I love that. You know, it's it people, older people, maybe even older than us. Just I don't feel like that people really connect as much as they used to. I mean, like we were saying, everything's online, but I love being on. Doing a podcast, you get to meet someone and you know connect with lots of other people, and I like to promote my friends' projects too a lot, um, and you know vice versa. They they do great for me too. Uh, I think it's good for everyone.
0: Yeah, well, I think the whole thing about about this podcast universe is like you know you you, you meet so many different people, and then you start to see the synergy and the connections because one time i was on a podcast and somebody was like whoa uh, is a musician really an influencer like well what weren't the beatles influencers
1: i was gonna say yeah (laughs) definitely yeah
0: they were like a mentor and i I came Mm -hmm. in on their podcast as a guest and they were doing their life pitch and they said well this isn't really about music i said Musicians are life coaches and mentors. They they create the soundtrack of people's lives.
1: That's you very know, people, true. The civil
0: rights movement was uh, motivated by Dylan music, by uh-huh. Curtis Mayfield and Christian's music. Music has a lot of power. It it has just as much power as any influencer, any mentor, or any shaman. Right. It, Absolutely. It has an effect. So 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 they, they, then there's an oh, I didn't think about it. Yeah, it's not just your <laughs> elevator music yes soundtrack to your jogging yeah that's not what it's about
1: (laughs) yeah it's about creating an emotion and and a shared experience if you're at a show you know um it's i mean i love music i just and i'm happy my my daughters are both into music too we have this great place in i live in um decatur which is just outside of atlanta Mm -hmm. and we have a a really Mm -hmm. great place called eddie's attic and it's it's a listening room. So, you know, you go in and musicians are playing and yeah, it's great. And you've got your table and everyone's quiet because they're really listening. Um, And it's, I absolutely love it. And now my daughters love to go there too.
0: Yeah. It's like a Nashville kind of like Athens has got that Nashville kind of music city vibe. You know, like if you go to certain cities like Boston has an area where it's like, there's a music area. Right. Mm-hmm. In New York you know, had that CBGB kind of vibe. You still have places like that. Yeah, in um, you know, LA, you had Barroom. had there's always these scenes, and that's where all the musicians like get together, and right. you get to see you know, like the coffee shop crowd where all the young, like really emerging singer songwriters yep. show up, and and that's always been something. I, mean, I used to go to Northampton, Mass, and okay. there was a place called The Fire and Water, and that's kind of where I started. I started just reading poetry. In Northampton, oh, cool. it's near like Mount Holyoke, and I'd go to this place called The Fire and Water, and it's a cafe that allow people to do free form poetry uh-huh. and music, and bands oh, okay, just cool. could show up, and then they could just play, or, I love or that. read poetry, and that to me is that's the kind of scene that's so positive, but it definitely really gets people out there. And I've always been a big uh, promoter, uh, and help people creatively get out there. I mean, from a business person that's why i yeah. talk to people like yourself and talk to a lot of emerging business owners or people trying to get into the get out there and get their message out because i feel it's like the same thing you know yeah, it's like people should be aware of brand brands like yours like they're mm-hmm. aware of a brand new band it's the same thing. right it's not that far off and like, you know off the written page it's like why are you doing that like it's not the same yeah <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So I think one. when you put yourself yeah. out there, you're always going to have critics and you're always going to be have people that are like, why are you doing it? Right. But, you know, some of, I've always kind of like walked the line between, you know, practicing law and, you know, being very like buttoned up and, you know, that side of me. And then there's always been a creative side of me that, was obviously very missing when I was practicing, uh, when I was a litigator. Um, so it's, it's (laughs) funny because my career has been all over the place. Um, but in the end, it kind of makes sense to me now what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm being creative. I'm doing, you know, my, my, uh, video projects and documentary and, you know, starting my new company is also Mm -hmm. creative. Um, I mean, I've never designed yeah. clothes before. you know. I'm just kind of well, one of those I people love- that's like, if I can find it on, on YouTube, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's
0: how I, I as, as a musician years ago, I, I actually, when I was 17, I saw Joy Division. I saw New oh, Order. Cool. And, then I, and then I went to a guitar center and I said, I didn't know how to play anything. And I was like, I yeah. saw, you know, yeah. Roads. I'm like, I want to do that, right? So I went yeah. and I saved my money and I got like a Juno and I got a month. because so like cool. I just had the force of will, like I had, that I just wanted to do it because I I saw all these bands and like I was really into them and I was a music fan and I was listening to mm-hmm.
1: everything, and so right. I, I was
0: like so I said, well, yeah, why not get like a Hammond B three or get a Yamaha piano and then if I have it, then I'm going to learn it,
1: right. Yeah, you're gonna
0: yeah, play and with I, it, and I and yeah. of wanted to do it. I just did, it. So and cool. you know, after all these years, I got to a certain point where I, I can get it. You know, and it, it, to me, it's the passion of it. Of of, of yeah, definitely. Musician, you do it because you love it. You love it like you're doing your business because you love it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And yeah, it, and you have, had an idea, actually, I, I make it real. So yeah, you know, creative yeah. people. That's what we do.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's tough because there's always like the, right. You think of the people that are like, um, you know, they have to put aside their creative career in order to go out and make money doing something, you know, a day job. Um, And I know there's lots of creatives with day day jobs for sure, but it's, um, I mean, it's great when you can kind of bring it all together and, you know, make it, have your day job, be creative, yeah. you
0: know? Yeah. I mean, that's like my, my daughter, she's in a really good position. She's going to school to be an art director. She's like, you know, uh, a graphic artist, which is a fancy way of saying a cartoonist. Um, yes, but she yeah. can do multiple types of materials, paintings, pastels. Mm-hmm. And she's gotten good enough that she can do logos, she works on graphic novels. She does storyboards. She does uh, art direction. So she now is Very in an cool. art direction group that's working with disabled artists to push disabled oh, wow. artists. Uh, um, and she's an art director. And she's going going to go to the University of Pennsylvania for like a master's and it, through online way of doing it. And so, yeah, her goal Very is cool. to have like a design studio that's all, all encompassing from doing like logos for bands and independent Mm -hmm. companies to doing like whole projects like, you know, anime and manga. Right. Yeah. She's totally got this idea of like, some of it will be like cartoons. Some will be, you know, movies. Some will be business work to support the more alternative work. And that's me. I I was like, that's really cool that she's got this wide range, ranging idea to actually be able to do it and be sustainable in terms of like, yeah have to have a day job because this is my job
1: (laughs) yeah it's interesting you see uh the production company i worked at in la it was the kind of thing where we did we did commercial stuff um we did tv stuff but that also paid for the documentaries you know what i mean the real passion projects um so that it's a great Mm -hmm. way of going about it is you know kind of doing something to to pay the bills to something commercial yeah yeah,
0: yeah exactly. So we, mm-hmm. It's kind of like this podcast is how I can go and put out like a two-hour long album. Like, I, I'm a yeah, kind of old-school right. retrograde. My Peg Forever, It's like two hours long. It's 19 songs, two hours long. Most songs are five, six, seven minutes. It's not what you would oh, wow, expect yeah. in this age. It's more what yes. you would have thought like Genesis or, mm-hmm. Parliament or that's kind of who I lo- grew up with. So that's why yeah. I write. Right? So, that's not what's kicking today but because I do the podcast, right. I can do what I want. Yeah. And so I actually, but then my podcast actually does the other piece. So I'm able to kind of have a wide ranging thing going on, which I think yeah, that's, that's the awesome. way you have to figure it out in this world it, it, to be, to be a business yeah. person and an artist at the same time.
1: Right. It's exactly. difficult, but
0: you know, any artist it is your brand, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah it's you know my yeah, my I oldest daughter said, is looking at colleges brand. now yeah yeah right you have to have a personal brand um my I tell my daughters like mm-hmm. you don't have to know what you want to do with your life you just have to know what you want to do next and you know and that's kind of how yeah. my whole career has been like I've followed where the path has led me and um it's been like, great I have I've very wide-ranging experience which is wonderful
0: i think it's awesome to, to see your artistic capabilities being brought out in the thing that you do day to day
1: right yeah, so you're a designer
0: definitely. you did the art, yeah. you know the, the the film work and the and the work with the with the musicians that is that is just fantastic because we live in a world where yeah you know, i run into people and they're like all they want to talk about is like uh crypto profitability <laughs> and investments and this. And then like, you know, I had some guy that was like into finance and then he looked Boy. at my numbers and he like, Oh, that's not profitable. Why are you even doing it? I'm like, well, art isn't always about being some kind of mega profit. It's right. about the artistic nature. And I had tried to explain to him about the story about the velvet underground and big star. And he was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I was like, if it doesn't make money, it's not good. And I'm like, okay, but that's that that, that kind of the mindset of like an investment banker. Yeah, exactly. If you're not getting 20 million, why are you even doing it? Like, if you're not making, if you're not able to be in a, in a bank, like, well, but that's not what the whole point is.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, I, I have, I've been very lucky. I have tons of friends in Chicago, LA, now here in Atlanta. And Almost all of them have their own like creative thing going on, Um, you know, visual artists and musicians and graphic artists, you you name Mm -hmm. it. So I got a a great group of friends.
0: Yeah, it's cool to be among the crowd to actually understand art. Mm -hmm. The crowd is like, I run into some people I went to college with, and they're like, they're all like those A A level people, like they're in the boardroom type people, you know, making those kind of things and. Okay. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. It's like okay, okay, I understand where you guys are, and I chose not to do that.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I made a choice. <laughs> it's not that I couldn't. Chose not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like me in As law. I it was just like I, I could practice law for the next, you know, thirty years and become a partner in a law firm, but it, it was I was miserable. Yeah, you, know, you have to make you your know, choices you, you
0: in life. Yeah, there's uh-huh. a lot of people, they stay in that miserable position, and then they right. got to go get an analyst, and they got to get a psychoanalyst, they gotta, because they're like, they're not doing what they want, right? right? And so like, you really have to look in the looking glass, like the old Victorian poets used to say, and really mm-hmm. figure out who is that you, and who's that other you, and who, who do you really want to, you know, do, do you really want to self-actualize? Like the way I always talk about, like the way David Bowie was able to self-actualize and actually, you know, Ziggy make Ziggy happen and make right, that right,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And,
0: and that's like, a, and it's like that's back like of true artist. He actually took something, it is in his head, and he made it be be like the whole story. It actually became real, yeah, because right, just because of his creativity and his belief in it, and so that's you know, if that's what you want to do. You know, that, that's what you should go for. You should go for something that's going to make you feel better inside your heart, your soul, your mind, everything.
1: Absolutely. Uh, not just
0: forget the material, which, because, you know, that's why you do what, that's why I like creative people. Mm-hmm. Because you make that choice Like you don't want to be a lawyer. I want right. to make my own business. I want to be a designer. I want to do something sustainable. You know, you, right. if you sit in a law firm, it's like, yeah, everybody's going to say that's people in your family, your friends. Oh, that's a cool thing to do. That's the right, right way. Exactly. To do it. You know, art's always kind of not, not looked at it as the right thing. It's more, mm-hmm. you know, oh, oh, it's not as stable or whatever. But I've always been a person like, go where your heart's going to go. And, and then things happen. But I find yeah. that things people come to you, People see what you're doing. If you believe in yourself, other people will believe in you.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's what and, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's interesting. I've, the way I've like gotten different projects is always through like people I know. And, you know, I have these crazy opportunities. Like I started producing because I was working on a project with the Nobel peace laureates and uh, making a music program for kids. So it's like just random things like that and lead you to the next step. You just never know.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, because you put yourself out there. Like they always tell people, if you got an idea and you just keep mm-hmm. on doubting yourself, and then you yeah. never put it out because you're scared yeah. of what people are going to think. And I tell people all the time: if you're a creative, as soon as you put that idea out, there's a bunch of haters that say they don't like it, right? Right. But that's not—you um, don't have to listen to that. You have to just go. Like, if you just keep it. up. Oh, it's never going to happen. So you have yeah. to t- be able to take that kind of rejection. Because like failure is a big part of anything. You know, Absolutely. Any business person with the of like how you right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I don't give a shit really what other people think. You know, it takes it takes a while to get to that point <laughs> where you're like, you feel secure. And you're like, I can do my thing and I don't care what you think. Because I spent a lot of time when I was younger, like trying yeah. to make people happy, trying to please other people. That's the beauty of being, you know, 50 plus.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go to Berkeley and then I ended up when, to Bowdoin cause people wanted me to be a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so yeah. it's like, I ended up doing, not doing what people wanted me to do and uh, because I wanted to do what I want. Um, right. Sometimes it's like, that's a hard road cause people don't, you know, they're like, oh, well, that's not like I remember I was telling my parents, like, well, I want to go to Berkeley. i like, well, how are you going to do any money making? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're automatically like, oh, music, not going to go anywhere. So it's like, you, you can't do that. You know, you're not, you're not Michael Jackson. You <laughs> know, you're not Prince. So you're like, what do you think you're doing?
1: <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's good. It's like, yeah,
0: you, you just got to believe in what, what you
1: Exactly. I mean, I I got into an industry I knew nothing about. And if, if you're committed to it and you have a passion for it, you you learn, you you know, you teach yourself, and go for it.
0: Well, thank you for being on the program. We've we've hit like our hour mark, and that's kind of our kind of uh, okay. flag when we have to kind of close it out. I'm very Happy that I think had a great conversation. Sorry for any of the problems with the with the connection. It's the way things. Oh no problem. Happen. But um. Yeah. No, this yeah, has been this, great. We'll let the people know that we're going to be on Spotify. We're going to be on Spotify video podcast later. We're going to be on Newsly. We're going to be on iTunes Apple podcast. So this will get awesome. uh, migrated out all over the web, all of our channels, and we'll let you know uh, where it's going to be through our connection. Uh, that so your fans will know. Perfect. We also create a, a landing for okay. like a Facebook, Twitter, all that, and we will put mm-hmm. that up and we'll send you that. Um, so all that stuff will be done fully tomorrow. But we were live awesome. tonight on Facebook, okay. YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. But uh, all the rest of it's going to happen. We'll be able to all your uh, customers and stuff will know about it fully tomorrow, uh, and we'll let you Wonderful. know through um, through our connection. But thank you again That's for on tonight.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time.
0: Well, very much. Thank you. Have a great night.
1: Thanks, Keith. Bye bye.